Hey, welcome to episode number 75 of More Than Bread. Thank you so much for joining us as we dive into the Bible. My name is Dan, and I'm your host for More Than Bread. This podcast flows from some words that Jesus quoted from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. In other words, life requires more than bread, more than stuff, more than achievements, more than success in whatever way you define it, more than social media. Jesus' words here connect hunger with the Word of God. You see, hunger drives our urgency. And and it's my prayer that from this podcast, it, it might help us be just a little bit more urgent about God and His Word than anything else. Here at Calvary, in these uh, days, we have challenged everybody to have an extraordinary commitment to the Scripture, to to dive in in an extraordinary way into Scripture. And, and some have asked, so what does extraordinary mean? Well, it's different for all of us because you just take ordinary and add a little bit extra to it. So I'm, I'm praying that from this series, we might all spend an extraordinary amount of time in the Scripture. In this initial series of More Than Bread, starting with episode number 67, we're making our way through the Gospel of Mark. Each episode, I make a few comments as I read through part of Mark, and then I get a a bit more in-depth with the Scripture, read it again, and then pray for you. And as we dive into Scripture, I'll keep coming back to the three L's as we do. Listen, learn, and lean. Listen. Ask yourself, what is the Spirit of God saying to me through the Word of God? Not just the words that I read, but where's the place where the Spirit just kind of pricks your heart, grabs you, and, and there's a sense that Wait a minute, I need to go back and listen to that again. Listen. And then secondly, learn. What principles, what promises, what truths about Jesus are being taught? Don't walk away without without learning. But but then finally, um, where is God calling you to lean in? Apply the word. Do it. What is your next step after listening? What will you do next as a result of listening and, and learning from the Word. So in this Word, we're looking at a very short passage in Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Let me read that in the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again, and he taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There are many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, those other disreputable sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. The first four people that Jesus called to follow him were fishermen, honorable profession, blue-collar workers, middle-class guys. Levi is a little bit different. Levi's a businessman. In some ways, for those days, he's the worst kind of businessman. He's a tax collector. Now, tax collecting was definitely more lucrative than fishing. Later, we find that he throws the kind of dinner party that a wealthy person would throw. Luke calls it a great feast for a large company. Levi had money. Most tax collectors did. 
As long as the taxes came in, the government didn't really care how the taxes were raised. Imagine unregulated IRS agents who worked on commission. This was a good gig for Levi. But don't forget, these taxes were being collected for the Romans. The Romans were an occupying force in Israel, an oppressive occupying force in Israel. So tax collectors were looked down on by good Jews. A Jew could scarcely persuade himself that it was right to pay taxes, let alone collect them. So Levi is likely a guy who has chosen wealth as his metric of success. He's sacrificed standing in the community. He's sacrificed relationships for money in the bank. He's, he's chosen stuff over people. And then along comes Jesus and calls him to a purpose greater than stuff. Jesus looked past his reputation and saw a person with great potential. Just like Jesus was saying to James and John, Peter and Andrew, he says to Levi, you, you have what it takes. I know your story. The whole world may think that you're just a tax collector, not worthy of friendship. You've gained at the expense of others. Some may think you're not worth my time, but I'm going to show my glory through you. I know the end of your story, and I choose you. And Levi does the same thing as the first four. He followed Jesus immediately. I mean, think about this. Fishermen could always go back to their nets, but when Levi follows, he really has no safety net. He will never be a tax collector again. But, you know, I have absolutely no doubt that if you could talk to Levi today, he would tell you that whatever you have to leave behind in order to follow Jesus, do it because it's worth the cost. Because when you find Jesus, you find someone who loves you without boundaries, someone with whom you can be real and not fear rejection or ridicule. When you find Jesus, you discover the solution for the deep down soul thirst that you thought would never be satisfied. Jesus goes to the margins of society, the margins of life. And and, and even if some of us don't feel like we're living in the margins, our, our hearts sometimes are in the margins. Levi found that an encounter with Jesus was so amazingly satisfying that he threw a party and invited all of his friends. We call that our front yard mission, loving our neighbors all the way to Jesus. Now, this was the most natural thing in the world for Levi. He he, he just went to his friends, tax collectors, <laughs> others he had met living in the margins of society, the margins of life, and said, hey guys, I really want to introduce you to Jesus. He is amazing. So my house tomorrow night, big party. The primary rules of life that Jesus' followers have been given are twofold. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor like you love yourself. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor like you love yourself. That's what we call our front yard mission. Love your neighbor all the way to Jesus. Erwin McManus shares a front yard mission story about Dave. Dave was a UPS driver, and in, in his job, he interacted on a superficial level with hundreds of people every day. Just a quick, hello, how you doing? Sign here, ain't the weather great? It was his job as a UPS driver to get great at drive-by relationships. And that's why Dave's least favorite stop was anywhere within a half block of the intersection of 20th and Santa Monica Boulevard. That's where Ron works. You have Dave, the UPS driver, and you have Ron. Ron worked at a gas station, and he had developed a great skill of talking a long time about anything while managing to say absolutely nothing. If, if Dave's UPS truck was parked anywhere near the gas station, Ron would find him. The one-way conversation began while Dave was still in the cab of his truck, writing up his packages. It would continue while Dave loaded his handcart. Ron would then follow Dave into the building, up to the offices, continuing to talk even while others were signing for their deliveries, back out to the 
truck, start up the engine. Ron would not stop talking to Dave until Dave was actually rolling away from the curb. At least Dave always assumed that Ron stopped talking at that point. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, Ron was a nice guy, the kind of really nice guy that you might try hard to avoid. One afternoon, Dave noticed that Ron was kind of quiet. Something was up, and before he left, Ron handed him a small white envelope and asked him to open it. It was an invitation to a wedding. Ron and a young woman named Joanne, and and Dave, the local UPS guy, was invited. Dave artistically avoided accepting on the spot, but for the next three weeks, the only thing Ron wanted to talk about was whether or not Dave was planning on coming to the wedding. He didn't want to go, but he was running out of creative ways to avoid answering, and he felt bad saying no. So he finally checked his calendar, only to realize that there was a church leadership meeting planned for the same day. Ah, too bad. Being the dedicated, faithful leader that he was looked like the wedding was a no-go. Dave says, as I pulled up to the alley behind the gas station, I knew that Ron would be there waiting for me, and I had my answer prepared. Thanks for the invitation, but I have a prior commitment. Sure enough. I opened the back of my delivery truck, and Ron was standing there waiting as usual. And he asked me, are you going to come to the wedding next week? I don't know what happened, Dave said. And every fiber of my being a no was forming. But as I opened my mouth, I said, yes, of course, I'm coming to your wedding. Ron's face lit up like a Roman candle. And he said, that's great. Thank you. As Ron walked away, Dave just stood there shaking his head. Saturday morning came way too fast. Dave woke up, got dressed in proper wedding attire, and then realized he had forgotten to get a gift or a card. He grabbed his video camera and figured he could videotape something at the wedding and reception and and give it to them as a keepsake gift. He arrived a half hour early, sat near the back on the groom's side. People trickled into the little church, and row by row, the bride's side of the church was filling up. About five minutes before the wedding was to begin, not a single seat in front of Dave was occupied. And then about 20 to 25 people stood up as a group and moved from the bride's side to the groom's side. The wedding went, as weddings do. Then came the reception. (laughs) Dave was even less excited about the reception, but Ron caught him on the way out, making sure that he'd see him there. It was in the backyard of one of the parents' homes. When Dave arrived, the guests were milling around and eating hors d'oeuvres. He grabbed his video camera to record some casual good wishes. Dave says, while I was videotaping the reception, different people gave toasts, and eventually Ron, the groom, stood. Looking straight back at my camera, Ron professed his eternal love for his beautiful bride and his dreams of their life together. And then to everyone present, he said he wanted to thank his best friend for being a part of the wedding that day. Dave said. Then Ron looked at me and said, I'd like you to meet my best friend, Dave. After the reception began, Ron came back and gave Dave a big hug and told him the news that caused him to realize how important his coming was to Ron. He told Dave he had sent out more than 150 invitations, invitations to his friends from the gas station, to his family, to his neighbors, and of all the people he had personally invited Dave was the only one who had attended the wedding. Dave thought it was just a stranger's invitation to a wedding that he had no desire to attend, when in reality it was God's invitation to love his neighbor, to be a friend. 
And in the following days, God gave Dave the incredible privilege of helping Ron encounter the life-transforming presence of Jesus. Now, don't miss this. Before Dave ever knew Ron's name, before he ever said yes to a wedding that he didn't want to attend, Jesus was in pursuit of Ron. Just like Jesus was in pursuit of Levi. (laughs) He came to show Ron the heart of God. He came to call Ron to a new purpose. He came to lead Ron to kingdom adventures that he had not yet imagined. This is why Jesus came. He came to bring friendship to lonely people, forgiveness to messed up people, came to bring wholeness to broken people and purpose to aimless people. He came to give direction to lost people and heal sick people. Jesus said, this is why I came. And this is why I called you. Go and do what I did. You know, in the last few years, the last couple of years in particular, I believe these last few years have not been a temporary interruption for the church. They've been a a transitional disruption. I believe that God has wanted to bring us to a point. He, 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 he's wanted to help us transition to a next chapter of the church, a, a very simple chapter where it's what we're scattering is more important than gathering, where loving our neighbors is more important than a program on Sunday morning, where we would live lives of worship and instead of just having worship services. Jesus said, Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. This is why I came and this is why I called you. Go and do what I did. Uh, Let me read that passage again from the message translation and then pray for you. It says, Then Jesus went again to walk alongside the lake, and again a crowd came to him and he taught them. Strolling along, he saw Levi son of Alphaeus, at his work collecting taxes. Jesus said, come along with me, and he came. Later, Jesus and his disciples were at home having supper with a collection of uh, of disreputable guests, unlikely as it seems more than a few of them had become followers of Jesus. The religion scholars and the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company and lit into his disciples. What kind of example is this acting cozy with the misfits? Jesus overhearing shot back, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting the sin sick, not the spiritually fit. I'm here inviting the sin sick, not the spiritually fit. All through the Gospels, every Gospel, you you saw it in the Gospel of John. If you dove into the podcasts of More Than Bread during the Gospel of John, you'll see it in the Gospel of Luke and and, and Matthew. All over, you, you see this Jesus coming for those who lived in the margins, for neighbors who didn't know him. Uh, Let me just ask you, as you think about what does it look like for you to lean into this very short, very simple passage, who are the friends in your life that God might ask you to invite into your home, into a party for Jesus? Who are the people like Levi in your life that that you really haven't given the time of day because you, you just don't think that they would ever want to have anything to do with Jesus? Maybe you even think that they shouldn't have anything to do with Jesus. Who are the people in your life, the friends, the neighbors, that that God wants to use you to love them? 
Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that even now you would put names and faces into our minds and into our hearts. I pray that this very simple story, this very simple moment in the life of Jesus, where where Jesus reaches out to Levi and 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 brings Levi onto his team, and and Levi's immediate response is to gather all his friends and say, "You, you have to meet this Jesus." And I just I pray that that would be our heart. I pray that that would be what we want to do. That that would be what we do. Jesus, I pray that we would love our neighbors like we love ourselves, that the the relationships that we want for ourselves, we would offer to our neighbors, that the purpose and, and the meaning for life that we want for ourselves, that we would offer that to our neighbors, that, that the Jesus that we have found to be so impactful, Jesus, that we would want you for our neighbors, for our coworkers, for the students in our classes, for our friends. We ask that you would work in our hearts, Jesus, that you would give us opportunities like you gave Dave to draw Ron into the kingdom by a simple act of friendship. Thank you, Jesus, for being such a great friend to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.